Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so happy that you are here today because I believe I'm convinced that God's word is able to build you up to do what he has called you to do. And more importantly, to be the person that he has called you to be. We're going to jump into today's message in just a few minutes, but first let's honor the Lord by bringing the holy tithes and offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. Let's take a look at a scripture that will build our faith concerning God's best concerning our finances. Matthew chapter six, verse 31. Here we see Jesus saying, therefore do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for after all these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. And yes, yes, you certainly need them. But look what Jesus said is the solution, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Wow. We have it encapsulated in one statement from the Lord. That's verse 33. The solution to the financial dilemma that many face the challenges that so many face every day. And you see the world out there running around uh, in some situations doing literally anything for money. And uh, you see a struggle. Some refer to it uh, in a very negative way as the rat race. But either way, my friends, there is a covenant solution. And that is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, what is the kingdom of God? Well, to put it very simply, and one translation actually translates it this way. The kingdom of God is God's way of doing things. Anytime you have a kingdom, whether it's the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light or any type of natural earthly kingdom, anytime there's a kingdom, there is a king that's governing over his kingdom. Woo. Praise God. Now that king sets certain decrees. He's able to set certain rules and King Jesus, he has a way of doing things that he has established. This is known as the kingdom of God. It's his way of governing his kingdom and God's way of doing things includes number one tithing. So when it says that we are to seek first the kingdom of God, that's not some kind of a, you know, ethereal mystical type uh, realm or experience. That's actually seeking after the principles, commandments, and teachings, the instructions of God concerning how we are to live our lives. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first God's way of doing things. Well, God's way of doing things is that we should tithe. And that's laid out in scripture. God instructs us to tithe. That's 10% of all of our increase goes to the Lord. The Lord says the 10%, the tithe belongs to him. Now, as we continue to operate in this kingdom governed by King Jesus, we see that another way of doing things concerning 
financial principles, not only is the tithe, but it's also what scripture calls seed time and harvest. And we see God's way of doing things in Genesis chapter eight, verse 22. And as we engage in God's way of doing things, seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping, giving and receiving my friends, as you continue to walk in these principles, God's way of doing things and his righteousness, you'll, you're going to find out that all these things shall be added to you without struggling, without fighting, without quarreling, without cheating, without lying or dishonesty. Woo. Praise the Lord. Amen. You'll find out that when you engage in God's way of doing things, which can be very different from the kingdom of darkness. And so when we come into the kingdom of light, which is the kingdom of God's dear son, we have to learn new principles. We have to learn the operational procedure of this new kingdom that we are now in. And when we engage in kingdom covenant practice, then you will find out that God will bless you and the things that so many others out there in the world are striving and would do anything to get even kill those things come to you through the blessing. Those good things, of course, come to you through the blessing of the Lord. So today, as we honor the Lord with the tithe and with offerings, let's continue to do things God's way. Praise God. Let's endeavor to, as Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Let's seek his way of doing it. And it will bring financial health, financial healing into our lives. And it will bring us also into the overflow, the place of abundance and more than enough. Now that we have sought these truths and God unveils these truths, let us walk in them and operate in them right now. Let's bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God. If you prefer to mail your tithe, your offering in, you can send it to Stephen Brooks international PO box 717 Moravian falls, North Carolina. Our zip code is two eight six five four. Now, if you prefer to go online and bring your tithes and offerings in that way, it's very safe, very secure. You can do it anytime day or night from anywhere in the world. Please visit our ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage that says give it has a red heart on it. You can click that and it will take you right to the page where you can bring the tithe into the storehouse and you can bring an offering. You'll see the different projects we're focused on right now. You could sow seed into one of those projects, praise God. And it moves the ministry forward. And we are truly grateful for your giving heart. Now let me pray for you. Heavenly father, I pray for your people that as they seek first your kingdom, the kingdom of God, they are discovering your way of doing things. Father, in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of those in the kingdom of darkness, they would, they would see tithing or giving as loss, as being a subtraction. But we see it as a principle within your kingdom. And as we do that, we honor you and you bless us financially. You make a way uh, even when the economy could have a struggle, even when there could be a recession, you will always make a way. And with you, we thank you that that way is always forward. 
Now, Father, we give you praise. We thank you for financial wisdom. We bless you. And Father, bless your people. Thank you, Father God, that they are being overtaken by the anointing of overflow. In Jesus' name, shout amen. Praise God. I mean, I, I just love that where Jesus said, he says, all these things shall be added to you when you do it the Lord's way. Tithes, offerings, you're working his kingdom principles. All these things shall be added to you. All of them. Woo, praise God. I see it coming into your life. All right. Glory to God. Thank you so much for honoring the Lord with your giving. Praise God. Let's take our Bibles today and go over to the book of Acts. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 6. And I want to talk about seven keys to staying devoted to prayer. Mm -hmm. Seven keys. And each key is something that the Holy Spirit revealed to me. And these keys will help you to stay devoted to prayer. Let's pray as we jump into today's message. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We thank you that the entrance of your word brings light. And as the light is turned on today, we see the path that we are to walk in, the path that we are to take. So we ask that your Holy Spirit would illuminate the scriptures to our understanding. And we thank you for this. And we thank you for a clear, steady path to walk on. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now, in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we, now that would be in reference to the twelve apostles, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Now let's continue the verse four, the verse that we would like to have be our key text today. But we, the apostles, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now we are seeing here that they have made a commitment. The apostles have to give themselves to prayer. And of course, when you're prayed up, and you spend time studying the scriptures, you're going to be able to present a good message. If you're just studying uh, the messages, they'll become dry, they'll become intellectual, and they will, they will become like textbook uh, curriculum type things that are just, it, it actually it will, it will get boring. That's why the man of God, the woman of God needs to pray so that the message is anointed. Praise the Lord. But they said that we will give ourselves. Now that phrase, give ourselves in the Greek, means to adhere to, to persist in, to hold fast to, to give yourself to. Well, I've noticed that this past week we have had, throughout the various American sports, we've had many of them participating in their distinct form of the Olympic trials. You have 
gymnastics going on, you have swimming going on, you have track and field going on. So you have these various athletes competing to get on the U.S. Olympic team. And of course, many of you watching from other countries, you've noticed that they're in your home nation. They're competing as well. The athletes are competing. They want to get on the team and usually on that team uh, in the, you know, select sporting event, they're only going to take the top three. I think that that fourth place uh, has got to be one of the most disappointing places that a person could end up in. But when they look to the Lord, there's mercy even for that. Praise God. But my friends, this thing about the Olympic trials and this desire to gain the Olympics is something that's uh, very parallel to what we're looking at today in the sense of staying devoted to prayer. You know, during the Olympic trials, you have certain athletes come in that are the pre-favorites and those that are familiar with their sport, whether it's tennis or whether it's track or whether it's gymnastics, you already know who's at the top of their game or at least is supposed to be. But you know what? The moment the trials actually begin, there's always upsets. There's always somebody that they were for sure was going to be a sweep to be on the team, probably going to win the gold in the Olympics that doesn't even make the team. Wow. And you know, maybe, maybe they, uh, just had a, not only just a bad day, but maybe for certain reasons, they, their training was not where it was supposed to be. Maybe they got injured or maybe like some, they just lost that fire. And although at one time, perhaps they were doing really, really good and were perhaps the best in their sport. You know what? After a year or two, it's, it's a real challenge to keep that fire going. And my friends, it can be a real challenge to keep that devotional fire going where you are consistent in prayer. That's why today I want to release to you seven keys that will really help you to stay devoted to prayer. Glory to God. You know, going back, um, almost 30 years ago, it, it was probably about 28 years ago, somewhere maybe 28, 29 years ago, where I was living in a small little rental apartment behind my pastor's house. Now it actually wasn't like an apartment. It was more like an efficiency. I was the only one there. It was just a little bitty uh, room that um, was very, very small, you know, uh, bathroom, bedroom, and you know, uh, no extra rooms or anything like that. So um, I'd lived there behind him and I loved it because uh, I would drive him around when he would go out and do revival meetings and stuff like that. And I would watch him. I would watch him minister. I'd watch him preach. And so I'm learning more and more about ministry, but I was still very, very young in what we would call Pentecost or, uh, the full gospel experience. So I'm trying to, uh, learn as quickly as I can. So it was a very privileged position of being able to live so close to him. And of course he lived real close to the church. You could walk the church in just a couple of minutes. So that was a real blessing, uh, something that God had set up in my life. Um, but I remember that there was a friend of mine that he was getting established in the Lord. He was kind of unstable, but he loved God actually had a calling on his life to, to ministry. I don't know whatever happened to him. Uh, and I can't remember his last name, so I, I can't really look him up or anything like that, but it wouldn't surprise me one bit today if he's out there somewhere in the world ministering as well. But my friends, 
he came over to my little uh, house one day, my little bitty um, uh, guest quarters where I lived, and uh, uh, said, you know, I'd just like to hang out a little bit with you, Stephen, and, and stuff like that. And uh, so we, uh, we, we talked late into the night, and we were both real tired. And I said, hey, you know, just sleep on the couch. I'm going to go over here and sleep on the bed. So we both fell asleep. And so I got up early the next morning to pray. So I went into the little prayer closet, and I didn't have anywhere else to pray because the place was too small. I can't pray in the, in the room because he's sleeping over there on the couch. So I just went into the closet, and I actually went in there often. And now understand when Jesus talked about going to your prayer closet, you don't literally have to go into a closet. But at the same time, you could if you want to. It's a great place where you're, you're going to thin out a lot of distractions. Anyhow, I went into the closet. And in order not to have my head sticking up in all, you know, all the, the jeans or coats or whatever that are hanging in the, on the closet rack, I just kind of laid down on the floor a little bit. And I'm in there praying. I, I, I prayed in there often. And I prayed, I don't know, for over an hour, maybe like an hour and 20 minutes or something like that. And I, I honestly had a wonderful prayer time. I followed my prayer uh, system or method that I had learned. And I, I loved the prayer running track that I was on and had a great prayer time. And so when I was finished, I said, I said, Father, in Jesus name, amen. And I went to open the door real quick to come out. Uh, for some reason, I opened the closet door real quick. <laughs> and when I did that, when I opened the closet door, I didn't know it. But my friend, his name was Doug. He had been laying on the outside of the door with his ear down to the bottom of the door because he was listening to me pray and he was trying to learn how to pray. So he figured, well, I'll just listen to Stephen. And he was, I didn't know what he told me later. He laid outside of the door for the whole time I prayed. He must have saw me go in there and got up and just went over there. And so when I opened the door, I actually pushed the door open and it hit him in the head. <laughs> And I said, brother, what are you doing? He said, I, I, I'm just, he said, Stephen, I was listening to you pray. He said, that was, that was one of the most beautiful things. He said, I don't know how to pray and I'm trying to figure it out. Well, I had learned my friends from the best. I had studied the books and the CDs. We didn't have, you know, YouTube or videos back then, but I'd read all the books by Dr. David Youngy Cho and I devoured the books and I, I got some tapes on prayer, particularly he would teach on praying the Lord's prayer. And I just began to consume those tapes and I took that teaching. I began to implement it and I began to pray like they had learned to pray there in the Yoido full gospel church there in Seoul, Korea, which grew to over 800,000 members. And today is still the largest church in the world. Technically Dr. Cho's church it went way over a million members, but the growth was so explosive that a lot of the converts, a lot of those that, that came to Christ, they just sent them off to other churches because they couldn't handle all the growth sometimes. So um, there's a lot of other large churches that actually sprung up because of the overflow from that church. But nevertheless, here is Dr. Cho, one of the world's leading teachers, if not the leading teacher on the subject of prayer. With proofs. After all, it says in Scripture, Jesus said, Wisdom is justified by her children. In other words, wisdom is justified through proofs that you can see that what you proclaim or teach or practice is actually working and producing in your life. 
So wisdom is justified by her children. And so I found that the teachings of Dr. Cho, they worked. And so, yes, I incorporated that into my life. And then other people like Doug, who learned it from me, picked it up. And, you know, he got up and running and stuff like that. And off he went into the things that God had for him. And here's, here's the challenge, though. Until we go home to be with the Lord and we leave this planet, we have this human tendency to drift. And we see in the natural world, we see... Uh, things that that kind of sync with that. I mean, you can go out to the beach, you could be floating on an inner tube or on a surfboard and thinking you're having a nice time. You know, you're just out in the water, maybe, you know, uh, 30 yards and you got, you, you're caught up having fun or just floating around. Next thing you know, you're, you're a quarter of a mile or a hundred yards or a quarter of a mile offshore. <laughs> so there's this, this thing to float or drift away, you know, rip tides and rip currents and all of that. Things you can't even see that want to move you away from the place that you would like to, to be anchored at. But my friends, we thank God that we can stay devoted to prayer when it's so easy to drift even away from something that we know should be, uh, you know, like an anchor for our lives. Let me give you an example. I mentioned that I learned to pray uh, effective prayer through the teaching of Dr. David Youngie Cho. But something happened in the latter part of his ministry where with all of the knowledge that he had and all of the years of experience that he had, and I don't know why, but for some reason he began to let off on his prayer life. He got involved in some financial dealings that were wrong. And this went on for quite some time for several years. And eventually it was brought to light. It was exposed that there were financial wrongdoings and his two sons went to prison and he was going to go to prison also. But the judge said to Dr. Cho, your ministry, your church has done so much good for the nation that because of that alone, I'm not going to send you to prison. Although you deserve to go to prison and although you did crimes that are worthy of going to prison, he said, you have done so much good for the country that we're going to let you not go to prison. But of course, he suffered in the sense of having given a, a, bad, rep, a bad representation of Christ. And, you know, there's a lot of Buddhists in Seoul, Korea, and that gave them plenty of ammunition to say, see there, we told you, we told you all this Christianity stuff wasn't, wasn't you know, valid and, and legit and things like that. So it, it really, it hurt the church. It brought the church great pain. And there were certain fallouts because of that. Now the church is still going on today. There's, an, there's another pastor there. And Dr. Cho, he's back on track now. He has a strong prayer life again. But you have to, you have to understand that even if you know it, even if you once practiced it, you have to, you have to stay with it or you're going to find yourself not only not going to the Olympics, you're not, you're, you're going to, you're going to be left out. You're going to miss out on what God has for you. And if you are on the front lines 
or you're actively engaged for the Lord and you let off and let up, you're risking, you're risking trouble. Can you imagine what would happen to me if I just stopped praying? I just thought, well, you know, I could just teach on it, but I'm not really going to do it because, you know, I've already, I've already done enough of that and uh, I've got some momentum and I, I, you know, nobody's going to know. Oh, I tell you, that would be uh, disastrous consequences. Uh, now, I have no intention on letting up one bit, but we have to watch ourselves in this area because if it could happen to Dr. Cho, you, you want to be careful. The, the world's leading authority on prayer. Not only that, as we're seeing here, that Peter is making a commitment to give himself continually to prayer. You have to realize that later, a few years down the road, somehow Peter took his foot off the gas pedal of devotion to prayer. And the next thing you know, he is He's literally acting like a complete hypocrite in front of the believers there in the Galatian church. And Paul, the apostle, openly, publicly has to rebuke Peter publicly because it's so out of control. This is not something he could have done on the side. He has to do it publicly. And even Barnabas was carried away with the hypocrisy. Wow, what happened? Well, it's hard to pinpoint, but somewhere along the line, Peter backed off of that deep devotional prayer life, and now he's being influenced by church politics because, you know, you had the big wigs coming from Jerusalem church to visit, and, uh, you know, you get all that political pressure, and you get all these. Uh, when the church starts getting like a structural type system, and I'm not saying you don't, we don't need structure, but when you start getting into that type of a structure type thing, it usually gets goofy. And uh, it creates a lot of um, fakeness, and that's what happened. And Paul had to call Peter on it. So for some reason, Peter had drifted from his strong devotional life. He never would have normally done something like that. So we have to be careful. We have to stay devoted. We will give ourselves continually to prayer. Praise God. Let's make a commitment to do that. And in order to do that, I would like to share seven keys to staying devoted to prayer. First of all, let me say this. Legalism and guilt will never motivate you to pray the way that you should. Mm -mm. You ever heard somebody, uh, you, you read the testimonies, maybe you read Martin Luther's, uh, you know, stories on his life. And he would, yeah, there was the famous quote by Martin Luther. I have so much to get done today that I I cannot possibly get it all done unless I pray three hours early in the morning to be basically spiritually prepared. <laughs> and, you know, like a normal Christian hears that and says, three hours? How can I ever? And, you know, they think, well, why even try? If I, yeah, three hours, you know, looks like Mount Everest, maybe to a young Christian or maybe to a Christian that's just coming into the deeper walk. And, or maybe you read about some of the mystic saints who would wake up in the morning and pray through all 150 Psalms. <laughs> You're looking like four hours to do something like that. And you think, well, why even try? <laughs> so I'm here to say that legalism and guilt that could be based upon what others do. Uh, don't let that shut you down because legalism and guilt, they're never going to motivate you to pray. What motivates you is that you have to enjoy it. 
You actually have to like it. Now, we're all different. Um, for some reason in sports, I did get to a place. It wasn't like that when I started, when I was young. When I was young, my dad would say to me and my brothers, hey, let's go jogging. And I would like jog maybe a hundred yards and I thought I was going to die. And I thought, why in the world would anybody do something this torturous and this painful? And I, I wasn't really into sports. But then later, as I got into junior high and then high school, something just thought, you know, inside of me started to click or catch fire. And I thought, you know, I want to do some sports. And eventually got more into that. And eventually reached a point where I really liked it and became what you could maybe call self-motivated. In other words, nobody had to say, Stephen, you need to go to the gym today. Well, I, I'm, I'm already there, you know, or some, there's a place you can reach. You don't even need the gym. You just have it at your house. Most people, however, uh, they can't function like that. They're going to need motivation. They're going to need to have somebody encourage them, which is why most of the exercise equipment that people buy and they bring it to their home, it's never going to get used. Maybe it gets used for a week or two weeks. <laughs> and then you're going to see it for, you see them, they're selling it on Craigslist or even maybe trying to give it away because they simply don't use it. They don't have that motivation. Now, for me in that area, that's just something that I developed. And I, maybe I should call it a gift from the Lord. So that's something I really like. But you could still find areas where you succeed. Maybe it's business. Maybe uh, you're the first one to work, the last one out, and you know it's rare, but you still see those uh, those type of employees where they are there every single day. They they're never sick. Uh, they just don't get sick. They don't take a time off. The, they they you know they're always there, and so that's that's somebody that's excelling in their anointing. They've gotten good at it. And you, you, you have to enjoy it. In other words, you're enjoying your work. You actually want to go to work. You don't want to miss. You don't want to stay home. <laughs> you don't want to call in sick. You, you love what you do. And so I would say that the first key to staying devoted to prayer is that you have to enjoy it. If you're being forced to do it, that's not going to stick. It's not going to last. So you have to enjoy it. Praise God. Mm -mm. Glory to God. I think along with this enjoying prayer, there has to be somewhat of a change, perhaps even in the way that we view the Christian walk. The typical evangelical mindset is that we are born again. Now that we're born again, we need to get as many of the lost people saved and born again, and then we'll finally one day die and we'll go to be with Jesus and we'll finally be out of here out of the suffering and misery and all of that stuff. But I think that we have to move to a place where instead of just looking to get out and to go up like in the rapture or the catching up of the saints, instead of just looking to go up, we need to be looking to grow up. And that's a different approach. The Lord wants us to mature into what the Apostle Paul called the sons of God, where we're not trying to run, we're not trying to escape, we are fully aware of the difficulties within our nation and within our world, but we are here to get the job done. 
And we are also not only here to do a work, but we are here to grow and mature in the Lord. And so that developmental process is something that can never reach its fullest potential without a life that is devoted to prayer. And if you stop praying, if you pull back on that, Next thing you're going to be thinking is, God, it's so bad. We just, Lord, just get us out of here. Lord, let Jesus come back right now and get us out of here. It's just such a mess. It's impossible to get it fixed. (laughs) There's no way the church can prevail, Lord. Just get us out of here. You cannot base your eschatology nor your theology out of a heart that's full of fear. You have to base it out of the Word of God. Out of a peaceful state that comes from knowing the Lord and knowing that the Lord is about to move again in a powerful way. We're about to see the unfolding of the third reformation. Mm, mm, mm. I'll have more to say on that in the coming days. Praise God. But if you're not praying and you're just looking at news, looking at circumstances, You would think there's no way we can go any further. But my friends, when you pray, you realize God knows exactly what he's doing. And God is also very patient and very loving and very merciful. And God is going to have his way. And there is yet to be a glorious outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the reaping of the end time harvest and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world. And then, and not until then, and then the end shall come. Praise God. So my friends, in order to stay devoted to prayer, you have to enjoy it. You have to enjoy it. You like it. You actually like praying. And for those of you that are familiar with it, and I know I'm speaking to many of you, once you actually do get into it, you're like, Yeah, this really is where the life is at. This really is where the life flowing from the vine in uh, through the branches to into us. It's occurring. It's taking place. It's in the prayer life. Mm -mm. So you can enjoy that. Praise the Lord. Step into that. Discover that the Lord is good through prayer. Enjoy your prayer time. Number two, the number two key to staying devoted to prayer is be willing to Mix it up. Praise God. Be willing to mix it up. If you are ever having a time in prayer, you're, you're endeavoring to pray, and it's just like there's no anointing, it's real flat, and you're just like, Lord, I, I'm trying to pray, but uh, it's like nothing's really, doesn't seem like anything is going on. Then, excuse me, you can mix that up. In other words, I have found that if you ever want to talk with God about a certain subject, maybe you have a certain question, or maybe you're praying about a certain thing, and the Lord just doesn't want to talk about that. Then you know what you need to do? Move on to a completely new subject. You can't be like, well, God, I demand, I demand that we have conversation about this. Well, no, we can't make demands like that. We go before the Lord, and if He's not talking about a certain thing, For whatever reason, who knows? Maybe he just doesn't want to that day. (laughs) Maybe on another day he will. But those are things that you learn by the Holy Spirit as you are in your prayer time. So if it seems flat, 
and you're talking to the Lord or endeavoring to pray about a certain thing, and it's just not clicking, go on to another subject. Mm -mm. And find the subject where you catch fire. Mm -mm. Praise God. And that, my friends, will help you out. Number three, in order to stay devoted to prayer, be mindful of the reward. Be mindful of the reward. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. These rewards that come to the child of God who diligently seeks after God, these rewards can be multifaceted. It can be everything, of course, from answered prayer. But sometimes, even if that answer or manifestation has not yet come, the Lord can still reward you along the journey of the process of seeking. And there can be supernatural encounters. There can be visions. There can be gifts of the Holy Spirit that will operate in your prayer time. And there's no telling what might happen. So you need to be mindful of the rewards that are associated with a strong prayer life. Whoa, all kinds of rewards. I mean, the shield goes up. The shield of protection goes up. And you need to have it up every single day. Mm -mm. Where the enemy would look for an entrance in. But he can't find one. The shields are up. And those are the prayer shields. Whoa, glory to God. I see him going up in your life. And I see the enemy's frustration. Because he cannot accomplish what he wants to do. Because you're too prayed up. You are too alert, and he has zero access into your life. So be, be mindful of these rewards, which is why you don't want to uh, abandon or miss out on your prayer time. It's too, it's too good. The rewards are too good. And be, just think about those, because they will come. He is a rewarder. He is. Well, Pastor Stephen, nothing ever really happens in my, in my time. Well, you have to really be Diligent, you have to really be consistent, mm -mm. and things will start happening. Oh, praise the Lord! Stick with it, stick with it. Put your time in, put your time in, do the workout, do the spiritual workout. You never want to be out of shape spiritually, you want to be fit spiritually. Ask yourself that question Am I spiritually fit? Woo! Praise God. Well, Pastor Stephen, that's easy for you to say because you're supposed to be your preacher. You never know when you're going to be called upon. Well, as a minister, though, I still have to make that choice to stay devoted to prayer. Trust me, there's a million things that pull on preachers also. And the same things that pull on you, they pull on me. I've been asked many times before, Pastor Stephen, how come you don't play golf? Well, I don't play golf because if I ever did, I would probably like it. And I, I don't want another thing uh, pulling on me for my attention. I've got my little narrow streamline uh, things that I like to do. Uh, it's not much, but it's my little, maybe you can call it a hobby, a little tiny thing that I like. I get to touch it every now and then, that, that hobby that I like. But I don't need all these other things. When we go to heaven, we will have all eternity to do some of these other things. Watch out. 
Watch out for the preacher that's spending all of his time out on the golf course. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, he needs to fellowship with his church members. He, he, they're having fellowship. Well, uh, you know, fellowship is good, but there's a point. You do all that talking, you do all that talking, uh, but you do so little praying, you're going to end up empty, and then you're going to start having a, a downturn on miracles, on the power of God, on the anointing. You can stand up and talk still. And the words may be right, but if they're not anointed, listen to me, they will not set people free. It's the anointing. It's the power of the Holy Spirit riding on what we do that delivers people. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So we must be aware of these things. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the fourth key to staying devoted to prayer is recognize that without prayer, certain situations will never change in your life. Until we become convinced that there are some things that only God can do, we will not take prayer seriously. Well, Pastor Stephen, you know, uh, we, we're gonna, maybe there's another option. Maybe a medical science will finally figure it out. Maybe they'll come up with a cure. Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe not in your lifetime. And on these other areas where you need another type of a miracle, whether it's healing or whether it's financial or something else, or relationship or something like or something else, there are some things that only God can do. And when you realize that it comes, to, it comes down to that, suddenly you realize, wow, I really should pray. Because if I don't, it's never, ever going to happen. Because this is going to take God. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, you know, um, you never know. God may just step in there and do it. Well, you know, um, there are sovereign moves of God. But it doesn't seem like he's moving like that in anybody else's life that I know sovereignly. <laughs> so we should not just sit back and expect just something like that to fall from the sky and happen to us. We should pray. So again, number four, recognize that without prayer, certain situations will never change. And until we become convinced that only God can do it, we will not take prayer seriously. Woo, I see, I see real, genuine, bona fide miracles taking place in your life. But you have to stay very consistent in prayer because if you pull out that faith that you're trying to stack within your heart from hearing the Word of God, uh, if, if you don't mix it with prayer, it's, it's going to get real dry, and you're going you're to get into this intellectual thing where you know what God's will is, and you know what the Word says, but without prayer, you're not going to be able to reach it. It's that prayer that makes that faith come alive. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Yes, it's knowing what God's Word says, standing on the Word, believing the Word, but you cannot do that in your heart if your prayer life goes down. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. So we must stay devoted to prayer. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Yes. Say, Pastor Stephen, I will. Glory to God. All right. Now, this next one is very important. To secure this devotion to prayer, we must, this is not optional, we must stay separated from all known sin. Again, 
we must stay separated from all known sin. Now in the epistle of 1 John chapter 3, we have verse 5 and 6, and I'm going to read this to you, but I want you to understand this is why we must study God's Word and teach it from, a, from an informed position. Or else you can read through Scripture and read some things and you think, well, I'm in a bad mess. But if we study the Scriptures and we see really what the author is saying through the, or by the Holy Spirit, then we can make a good application of it. And we see that here in verse 5. And you know that He, that would be Jesus, was manifested to take away our sins. And in Him there is no sin. Verse 6, whoever abides in Him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen Him nor known Him. I used to read those verses, particularly that one about whoever abides in Him does not sin. And as a young Christian, I thought, well, Lord, I thought I was abiding in you. I thought I was saved, but I, I've sinned today, so I, I, must, I must be really messed up. I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> but as all uh, New Testament teachers who are familiar with the Greek text know that this is a reference to the practice of sin. In other words, whoever abides in Jesus does not practice sin. Whoever practices sin has neither seen him nor known him. This is not talking about our failures, our blunders, our sins that we, you know, unintentionally or through weakness commit. This here is just talking about those that are just sinning and they're sinning that they know what they're not really con that concerned about it. Now this is this is for Christians, but they're just tolerating sin in their life and they have no they have really no desire to get the axe and chop down that, uh, uh, that tree at the root. But my friends, if you're practicing sin as a Christian, it's going to really hinder your prayer life. And it's going to cause the cylinders of your prayer engine to hit and miss. They're not going to fire properly. Praise God. You'll gum the whole thing up. So you have to deal with those things. And if you have any type of addiction or bondage, you have to say, Lord, deliver me, set me free, let your grace and mercy be strong in me, glory to God, and then repent or whatever thing that you've have stumbled in before and get up and go on, praise God, and establish a strong, immediate devotional life with the Lord. And you say bye-bye to those former things that used to trip you up enchain you and give you such frustration and such difficulty. Woo! Praise God. There is a place in the Lord for the prayed up saint who lives in the reality of Ephesians chapter 2 verses 6 through 8 of being seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. There is a place you get so prayed up, but see you have to walk in that where you know you're strong, and you know you're above that stuff. Woo! And if the devil tries to even hurl accusations at you, you already know that was forgiven, that's washed away with the blood, that has been burned up, it's nothing but ashes, and it's just a dead, empty shell. All the enemy could use against you, 
perhaps could be the memory of it. But my friends, it's a memory of ashes. Woo, praise the Lord. But see that reality of that and that clean conscience. That comes from an established prayer life. And if you let your prayer life go down, you're going to have a lot of fragments within your soul that will need to be healing, that will need to be healed. So come to the Lord, let Him do a cleansing, let Him do a washing, let there be forgiveness, and then get that prayer life established. Praise the Lord. So, and have it strong so that you can step into verse 21 of the same chapter. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. I used to really struggle. I mean, really struggle with condemnation. I saw very, very few that ever came out of the denomination that I was raised in who did not have a sense of uh, condemnation and guilt. That's because we were not taught of our new position in Christ which was a position of imputed righteousness. I never heard imputed righteousness taught once to me uh, in the first 20 years of my life. And I was in church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every, mid every midweek service. I never once heard it. a pastor preach and say, now that you are in Christ, you no longer have a sin nature. You have a nature of righteousness because Christ has parted righteousness into us and all of the sin nature was put on him. And we have now become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Woo. Hallelujah. Praise God. So not knowing that, uh, you know, we would, uh, growing up in church, we would always conclude every church service. It doesn't matter if the pastor was saying the closing prayer if one of the elders was saying the closing prayer or the deacon was saying the closing prayer, it would always end like this. The final word said, Heavenly Father, thank you for hearing our, our prayer. Please forgive us of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It was always like that. Every meal, every family meal, you know, we're going to pray over the food. Father God, bless the food. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, please. Forgive us of our sins in Jesus' name. And then we start eating. <laughs> it was just a mindset of condemnation, of not being worthy, of not knowing who we really were in Christ. And of course, if you carry that, it will greatly affect your prayer life because you think you're unworthy. You think God won't hear you. You think you're dirty. <laughs> well, Pastor Stephen, yeah, that, that's kind of what I've been going through. Okay. Come close to the Lord in prayer. Confess any known sin. The blood of Christ will cleanse you. Now, as you're walking with the Lord, that blood just keeps cleansing, keeps cleansing, keeps cleansing. And that close relationship that you have with the Lord, it just puts up, it's part of this invisible shield of protection, but also an identity established with you, in you of righteousness. And you know it. You know everything's all right between you and the Lord. You can ask what you want, and you're going to receive it. Why? Because your heart does not condemn you. And then you have verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. If you're doing all kinds of stuff that's displeasing in God's sight, the enemy is just going to hurl accusations, and because you're not prayed up, that stuff will just, it'll hit you, 
And the next thing you know is that you can't approach God with confidence in prayer. So don't ever abandon your prayer life because it is in that place of devotion to the Lord in prayer that your righteousness, which is already imputed, that righteous standing is understood and made known to your heart. And it releases tremendous confidence, tremendous confidence that you can go before God and ask him things in prayer and he'll do it. Woo. It's good. It's good. It's good. Woo. Praise God. Number six, you need to be around others who are also passionate about prayer. Now, perhaps you are in a place where maybe you're listening to this message and you're thinking, Pastor Stephen, there's not a lot of people like that around here. <laughs> they're not really in the prayer. They're uh, in the all, they're in the everything else under the sun, but that, well, I believe, I believe still the Holy spirit will put you uh, in relationship with those that have a heart like that. Um, the ministers that I connect with, they're all men. And there's a few ladies also women ministers, but when my, my wife and I have minister or relation with other ministers, these other ministers, they're praying. They're all praying. When we sit down, our conversations always go towards the things of God. That's what we talk about. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And God will bring those type of people into your life. But you must be that type of person. And that anointing will attract. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. I see that anointing like honey, that prayer anointing like honey coming, coming upon you. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. All right. And by the way, we see that in Acts chapter six, verse four, our key scripture where the apostle said, but we will give ourselves continually. We'll give ourselves. So in other words, they were all linked together in a common bond as the 12 apostles of the lamb. And they're like, hey, we're in this together. This is what we do. So there's that like fellowship. They have the same spirit. I, I can't imagine. I could, just couldn't imagine like running with the minister who has no prayer life. I'd be, I'd be greatly concerned about him. I'd be greatly concerned about him. Mm, mm, praise the Lord. Now, number seven. It's important to understand that devotion to the Lord in prayer originates from within you as an individual. Now, verse four, again, Acts chapter six, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Let me say this, that you must be careful that you don't substitute church prayer meetings, collective or corporate prayer group meetings for your own private individual prayer time. Have you ever known Christians that have done that? Raise your hand. I can see you out there on the internet, raising your hand. <laughs> I've been in many church prayer meetings where, you know, we all come together to pray maybe before the service, maybe like on a midweek service or something like that. You'll always have some that come. They never pray on their own. Now they know because they're Christians and they've read the Bible and they've heard teaching. They know that they should have their own devotional life, but for whatever reason, they're not doing it. So when they come to the church prayer meeting where we're all supposed to pray together, they don't come prayed up. They come and they're going to, this is going to be their, their prayer time. And so what happens is you start praying 
it uh, starts generating that corporate prayer anointing and suddenly they start feeling the presence of the Lord and they start feeling that blessing of prayer and they get caught up in that and they start praying and that and you'll notice when they're praying they're 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 praying in a way like hey uh you should be doing that in your own closet in your own private life with the lord we're we're here to pray about uh, the the corporate stuff this is not a time for you to start oh god i love you so much oh oh lord the glory oh i see your glory no you do that in your own prayer time so you're prayed up when we come to pray together and we can hit these larger issues but so many they don't do that. They don't have that individual, personal, devotional prayer life. And so they don't know how to behave when they come to a collective prayer meeting. And because of that, they, they ride that prayer anointing and they, they feel a little satisfaction. And then they go right back to a life where personally they never kneel down and take that time to go to work and get into prayer themselves to create their own anointing to get. Now, of course it's, it's the anointing of the Holy spirit, but you generate that through your individual prayer life. Again, we, we must not just proclaim the message. Look, look, we're all ambassadors of Christ. We're all ministers in the sense of ministers of reconciliation. It doesn't mean that everybody has a pulpit ministry or, or is called to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But we are all called to reconcile those that are lost back to God. Bring the lost to Christ. But we must, we must not just share that message. We must become that message. And when you're prayed up, you sense when's a good time not to talk to a person about that. And when is a good time to talk to a person? And you learn also through being prayed up to be genuine, to not just be pushing. You need Jesus. You know, uh, it's like, well, let's, let's find out what their name is first. <laughs> Let, let's show them that we love them. And so you just, uh, some things you don't have to be taught. The Holy Spirit just, he helps you to understand it, but it all comes out of a prayer life. Mm, mm, mm. I see a lot of Christians that are very, very engaged in politics. And while they are, because they're Christians, of course, while they're born again, the way they go about their politics and defending their rights, um, in some ways it actually, even though they may be technically saying good things, they can do it in a very rude and mean, nasty way. And they can do it in a way, in a sense, where it just, it, keep, it keeps the war going. It keeps both sides fighting. And they don't have enough sense because they're not prayed up. They don't have enough sense to even see you're being pulled into a fight. You're being pulled into a verbal quarrel that you're never going to win because you can't win arguing like that. Even if your facts are right, even if your dad is correct, they don't care about any of that. You can't win that way. You have to be prayed up, have the mind of Christ. And you have to walk in the spirit. Woo. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. So my friends, number seven, the number seven key to staying devoted to the Lord in prayer is that true devotion originates from you as an individual. Praise God. You can't allow 
others to carry you. You have to have your own oil. You have to generate your own oil. Praise the Lord. We are well familiar with the story that Jesus told about the ten, the parable of the ten virgins. Five wise, five foolish. And the foolish ran out of oil. But don't forget, they were still virgins. They were still those that were, you know, right with God, so to speak. But they ran out of oil. Mm -mm. I see you never, ever running dry. I see you never, ever running out of oil. You know, I think one of the greatest blessings of maintaining that devotion to the Lord in prayer is that oil flows and you have a sensitivity to others, to their hurts, to their pains that you would never, ever have if you were not prayed up. But when you are prayed up, it will automatically slow you down and you'll catch, you'll catch little nuances in people's life. Not, not, I'm not only talking about the moving of the Holy Spirit through you, but I'm just talking about life in general. You'll, you'll hear them say something that's a veiled reference to their inner pain. Nobody else is going to catch that. Maybe nobody else even cares. But you heard that and you're, and you have a moment just to step over to the side and say, is everything okay? I noticed that you mentioned this. What's going on? And you have a unique sensitivity and that gives you an opportunity to pour God's love towards them. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. You know, if this is something that you have fought before to get into, and you realize, Pastor Stephen, I haven't really maintained this the way I should. I want to encourage you with an amazing truth. There is something about God that He's so good that even... If you have come up short, if you realize that and say, now, Lord, I'm going to, I see that, but I'm going to, I'm going to fix this and I'm going to make it right. The, when you plug in, the turnaround is immediate. I know, a, I know a minister that was involved in some really, uh, some things that, were, uh, that a minister should not be involved in. Uh, very powerful man of God and uh, used tremendously in revival throughout Europe. I've, I've seen them. Someone showed me his videos, massive crowds, but I knew because I knew him personally, something he got tangled up in that was not good. I never said anything to anybody, never will of what that was and won't mention who he is. And it, it weighed on him, but you know what? He realized that he, he had, he had, had a real high anointing at one point, and he backed off that close walk with God, and he realized the situation that he was in, and just like that, in 24 hours, he turned it, and something in his heart just said, God, I'm coming back to you, and it wasn't shortly thereafter that I saw him with such an anointing on his life, he literally looked like an angel, when I looked at his face, and this is just a few days later, after all the mess, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking just a couple days later, I looked at his face, he looked like an angel that was walking on the earth. 
Woo, incredible. Incredible. And I, I marveled. I thought, dear God, <laughs> this is incredible. Your grace is incredible. He got right back into that place of deep devotion, made up for any lost time, and never let off until the day he went home to be with the Lord. Praise God. My friends, some of you, you've drifted, and you've, you've gotten away from that nearness, you need to get back. When, Pastor Stephen, today, praise the Lord. Tell the Lord you're coming back. Tell the Lord you're running back into His open arms, back into the secret place of the Most High God. And yes, even as I shared at the beginning of the message, just like the trials, you have those that, that, that are competing, and you'll see that there were those that were competing that didn't come in prepared. They weren't ready. But my friends, this is something, even as all those athletes know, you must stay with it. You must be consistent. And then as you do that, as you do that, you, you keep winning. You keep winning. Woo! Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. You go from glory to glory. Thank you, Jesus. I prophesy that your setbacks are over. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Lift your hands, Father, I pray for the wind of your spirit, the fresh wind of your spirit to blow now, to rejuvenate your people, and those that are running with you, let them continue to run and stay in that place. But others, Father, others, there's, there's quite a few that are watching. They've, there's been some carelessness, and they're, they're in a dangerous place. Lord, I thank you for full restoration, and I thank you for cleansing, and I thank you for joy. As they now move back into their assignment, back into their seated position of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, of, of that knowing that they are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Father, we give you praise for this. I speak that refreshing over your people. Thank you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You know what this is taking us into? What, Pastor Stephen? Unending revival. Unending move of God. The average revival throughout church, church history lasts three years, and it's over with. doesn't matter how glorious it was, how many miracles. It usually runs three years, and then it begins to, begins to uh, just whoo, shut down. Why? Because of that commitment to stay in that place. But there's a new anointing. We're in the home stretch. We are coming into the fullness of the third reformation that's about to be released, the church's finest hour. And this time, this time, it will be a sustaining move of God that will not be like the tide that goes in and out, in and out. One revival after another. This one's over. Now let's get another one 10 years later. Now that one ends. And let's go another 30 years. Oh, here's another one. And then that one ends. Nope. This will be sustained until the Lord's return. Praise God. Lift your hands, Father. I bless your people. I thank you. I thank you. They walk now with these keys, utilizing these keys. And they are sustaining that devotion to you in prayer. Thank you, Father God. For your glory resting mightily upon their lives. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
Praise the Lord. Mm, mm, mm. Glory to God. I'm getting the word translucent. That's coming to me really strong. Praise God. I've actually had people. Uh, I, I, I taught a message some years back about what can take place when you get over in the spirit. And I've actually had people photographed while they were doing things in the spirit that heard that message. And when the picture was taken, there was their body and their image on the, on the photo. And you could see right through them. They were translucent at the same time. And that's what happens when you get over in the spirit and it's prayer that takes you into these deeper dimensions. Praise the Lord. I have a prophet friend of mine has a very deep walk with God. And he said, Stephen, I have uh, a mentor that I go over and I spend time uh, with him from time to time. He said, he's deeper in the spirit than I am. That's why he's my mentor. So I go to spend time with him. And he's this, this prophet told me, he said, this prophet one day went to his mentor's house and the mentor was happy to see him. And he said, let me get my Bible. I left my Bible in the other room and I've been meditating lately on a scripture that has just been so blessing me. So let me get my Bible. You stay here. I will get my Bible. And he was so, he was so uh, just thrilled with that scripture that he walked to the other room, got his Bible and walked back and to where his friend was at. And my friend said to him, Hey, um, glad you got your Bible. Did you realize what you just did? And the guy said, well, no, I just went and got my Bible. What the guy didn't realize is that when he went to the other room, he was so in the spirit, he walked right through the wall, picked the Bible up, turned right back around, walked back with the Bible. So in, in captivated, so captivated by the word and walked right back to the wall to his friend and said, you got to see this scripture. He didn't even realize what he had done. <laughs> Woo. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let the power of God be unleashed in your life to step into the glory realm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Put the prayer time in. Praise the Lord. As they say, burn the oil. Mm -mm. I see the oil coming down your face, the oil of prayer, the oil of the spirit. Now, Father, we give you all of the praise. We thank you that we are entering the era of miracles, 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 and signs and wonders. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. And that this move of your spirit shall be sustained. You are raising up those that will not depart from the secret place. We give you praise. Yes, Father, I know that many are married and many that work and many that even if they're not married, they work, they have responsibilities. But Father, even as Enoch was married and had children and sustained that deep walk, we thank you that there is this Enoch company around the world walking with you. Thank you, Father God, sustaining it, sustaining it, until we go home to be with you. Now, Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. If you're watching today's message and you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, well, a relationship with God can only truly be had through knowing God as Father. And in order to know God as your Heavenly Father, you have to come to Him through His Son, Jesus. And in order to do that, 
you need to be saved and born again. So for those of you that would like to receive new life, pray this prayer right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and you rose on the third day. I believe that on the cross you paid the penalty for my sins. So Jesus, I ask that you save me now. Wash my sins away. I give my heart to you. Jesus, write my name in your book of life. Step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. Jesus, thank you for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. And the Lord has heard that prayer. Welcome to the family of God. Praise the Lord. Now, as a church family, let us take Holy Communion together. Praise the Lord. Grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are invited right now to take communion together with us. As many of us all around the world are taking it together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it. We set it apart as holy. We thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus. And Father, as we receive the flesh of our Lord, we receive a committed heart, a heart of devotion. Thank you, Father God. Mm -mm. Super glued to you. We give you praise. We give you praise. And Father, we thank you for the body of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. When you're prayed up, you know what to do. When your prayer life goes awry and you, you're not in prayer, you run up against things and you have no clue what to do. That is an awful place to be. But you're not going to be in that position anymore. You know what to do, and that will bring confidence and clear direction to you. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus and its beautiful cleansing power. We ask that if we have committed any sin, that you would forgive and you would wash it all away, and that you would also cleanse every conscience. Thank you, Father God. We give you praise. We thank you for right standing with you through the shed blood of Christ. And we receive his blood now in Jesus' mighty name. Let's say amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, you may not be an apostle, but you can walk in an apostolic blessing by practicing what the early apostles did. You give yourself to prayer continually. And you also, you make time for the word. Hallelujah. And when you give yourself to prayer, the scripture is alive. Woo! Every page, every scripture, it becomes alive. And it becomes your daily bread. And it feeds your spirit. It cleanses your soul. It's the washing of the, of the word. It's the washing of, of your soul with the word of God, the water of the word. 
And that word is also, according to the writer of Proverbs, it's medicine to all your flesh. Praise God. So we activate these things through a consistent prayer life. Father, bless your people. Let this word be sealed within their heart, producing the 100 fold return off the seed of the word sown today. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time.